Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced and welcome to another episode of Anali Dataways. But with no further ado, let's get on with our feature presentation. We'll be talking about how SMP Global is building an Azure Data Lake House with Dremio. And with us today, we have Tian de Klerk, uh, Director of Business Intelligence at SMP Global, and Tony Churong, Senior Product uh, Marketing Manager at Dremio. Uh, Tian, Tony, the stage is yours. Sounds good. Thank you, Alex. Hey, everyone. Um, thank you for joining. You know, welcome back to Gnarly Data Waves and greetings if you're new. So on today's episode, um, like Alex said, we're joined by Tian from SP Global. He is the head of the IT BI team at SP. Um, he'll be co covering his data lakehouse journey and how he's able to remove BI extracts and cubes from his data architecture while reducing the total cost of analytics cost. Uh, Tian, so I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen now. I'll let you go ahead and take care of the rest here. Hi, everyone. Okay. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, my name's Tian Leclerc. I think that introduction was covered. Uh, I run the IT business intelligence team at S&P Global. Uh, and so we're kind of in a corporate function, but just a bit about me, uh, you might hear from the accent. I'm from South Africa. I currently live in the Netherlands. I have a background in a ton of reseller things, but I essentially come from a cloud uh, analytics background uh, and essentially, through reporting there, I learned Power BI, and that essentially accelerated me to where I am today, uh, working for S&P Global, running the IT business intelligence team. Um, the IT business intelligence team, our very pre-logo there, uh, currently our responsibility is to essentially do internal reporting. It's very important to understand uh, your business delivers products, how much does it cost to, to essentially run those products, and that is basically what corporate does. Um, so we try and host data internally regarding service management data, right? Uh, cloud financials, asset inventory, and more like anything cloud related or IT related, we try and go get to get that data and host it and then report on it based on customer requirements and customers technically being divisions. Um, I run a few developers that their main jobs are to understand REST APIs and the the various cloud sources that they could potentially pull data from and pull that into a central spot. Um, and that used to be our just our Azure Data Lake and Cosmos DB, which I'll kind of hop to in a second. Uh, and then where our primary reporting function is essentially Power BI, right? We, we're presenting everything through Power BI. And in the background, uh, we also try and deliver these data sources. Some teams just want to see the data and build their own thing. So we try and deliver that. So uh, <laughs> foundationally, we started we started quite quickly. My my like I said, my background came from cloud financials, and that's the main purpose of the the team was reporting cloud financials. But it quickly accelerated and grew underneath us where we grew inside of an Azure data lake and we started pulling in the service management data, right? The, the CMDB data. And essentially <laughs> we outgrew ourselves, right? So we essentially ended up at a spot where we needed to improve what we were doing um, because we're, we were doing a bunch of our data manipulations and cubing inside of Power BI, which is, it's great, Power BI can do it, but it's not where it belongs, especially as the data started growing, it got out of hand. Um, it also became very expensive to host the service now data uh, the way we were doing it. Uh, we were essentially putting it into Cosmos DB uh, just because of legacy things. As I said, we were kind of uh, moving a bit too quickly. Um, and 
the problem, as you can hear from our initial statement, is I, I'm an internal function. Therefore, I need to be able to basically get best bang for a buck, right? And initially, that was just reporting straight from Data Lake. But Cosmos DB uh, was needed to essentially enhance that table functionality, right? We have a table we can query. Uh, but what that essentially ended up doing was besides us combining data inside of Power BI, we ended up combining data outside of Power BI too. And we, we had our poor data engineers trying to build these cubes that are then dropped separately and duplicating data inside of the data lake. And it started to grow out of control, as you can hear from what I'm saying. Um, and we started, uh, essentially, I heard about Dremio, looked it up, um, and kind of understood that this could maybe solve some of our problems uh based on right the 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 the, the siloed data uh, being separated from everything else right having those sources that are duplicated just throughout our entire environment regards to the rough architecture so this is essentially our layout um it, the the key the the pivotal point here was ADLS, we were heavily using just Azure storage accounts with the data lake uh, switch flicked on, uh, which Power BI can consume from quite performantly until a certain size. Uh, and we were essentially pulling that data into Cosmos DB to to reflect the ServiceNow data and then join it back together inside of Power BI and sometimes joining that external from it uh, and then picking it up. Um, this this ended up taking up a lot of time, a lot of effort to maintain, um, and was also difficult to share access to this, right? Because it's it's not secure methods, or it's very difficult to set up a very easy way to consume from Data Lake uh, for a standard end user from Power BI. Um, and so that's where we ended up looking at Dremio. Like I said, it it just popped up. So we looked at a few solutions. What essentially stood out for us was, first of all, just the ease of use. That was a big thing. It essentially functioned the same way that we were used to with Power BI, where we could simply pick a source and import it. Now, Jeremy, have different terminology that's formatting it and importing it. Uh, and then once all the data is on, on, on the lake house, we can essentially join it to build views, which doesn't mean we're copying any data. It just means there's a view now created, which Power BI can now use. So that was already more performant for Power BI just to reference that. It also had better data security, just purely integrated in it. We could essentially set up, we're using Okta, for example. We were able to set up Okta quite easily and we were able to onboard users really, really uh, straightforward onboarding process. And the connection to Power BI was also seamless with single sign-on with the company's credentials. So that solved that quite quickly. Um, and essentially that we were sold from there <laughs> and started integrating more and more from our workflows, uh, building on top of it. So this is our architecture after afterwards. Uh, it's obviously growing. We're, this is kind of our story so far. So hopefully it might be a follow-up where we can explain a bit more what we ended up doing. But we could essentially reuse a ton of the effort we did. So that part that I mentioned where we have our ETL engineers basically tapping into various uh, APIs to try and get the data, we could reuse that. Uh, we did need to clean up how we were doing it previously because of the Wild West. But as long as your data is in such a good order, which it should be because you're running a data lake, this lake house overlaying on top of it worked seamlessly. Um, and then from there, we essentially worked with our stakeholders and with ourselves, because we're our primary stakeholder currently, uh, 
to try and replicate the views we did in Power BI and succeed it, right? And so we were able to move that knowledge that was trapped inside of Power BI one step backwards uh, into Dremio, and that enabled us to potentially reshare that too. So if someone wants to go query a particular model, uh, which is a term we used to use for something that's built inside of Power BI, right? They could go look at Dremio because they can log into it simply. Um, and yeah, so that alleviated that pain. And also Dremio is quite accessible. Uh, I know it lists their Power BI and Tableau, but it has a very, very powerful ODBC connector as well. So anything that can utilize ODBC can connect to this, right? And in addition, the API calls were incredible, right? That the Aeroflight connector inside of Python just worked awesomely. So our ETL guys could do something in the background if they ever needed to reuse the data for some reason, they could tap into that and help us deliver those to our end users. So this ended up, so what does this mean? <laughs> what it would actually happen then? So Cosmos DB, uh, which to be fair, was the wrong tool, um, ended up, uh, we ended up being able to remove that completely. Um, it also, we got some more value out of it, but we ended up being able to completely remove that completely, cutting our Azure costs in about half. Um, so meaning our normal running costs as an internal team has been halved. So meaning we can do more things now because <laughs> we, right, budget's freed up. Um, direct access, yeah, time to live for the, for accessing the data lake was accelerated. Like I said, if we can pull in the data, I can get one of my data engineers looking at the data, pulling it in and working on views basically as soon as the ETL engineer is done, right? Um, and the query time improvement is vast, right? But I don't know how much everyone knows about Power BI, um, <laughs> but your, your reliance on the mercy of Microsoft's processing uh, that they make available in the service, or you have to pay quite a, a lot of money for a premium features, right? That gives you some acceleration. But being able to move that processing a step back to where we have a bit more control, yes, you're paying for the processing, but it's, way more efficient and it's less than you would uh for the power inside of power bi um so we were seeing about a 30 percent increase uh and that's with the manipulations already happening inside of dremio uh next slide and i kind of hinted towards these um our plan or our plan has always been to centralize more and more of the it data as much as humanly possible because if the data is next to each other here in dremio we can combine it um, and that's one of the biggest features we see for it. we see that our data engineers now have the ability to basically our, our product has changed from a report potentially to more of a data set and so we can run a data set as a product uh, using <laughs> the iceberg feature right i see icebergs listed there but uh, arctic has recently been enabled and azure and it works awesomely it means we can essentially version our data sets and we can literally run that as a product um we have robust access controls we're we're looking at how we implement this in a a, a seamless way where we can replicate the access end users would have had in the source systems, for instance, in ServiceNow, because we want to give people the ability to be able to query ServiceNow data quite easily, but there's some sets that they're not supposed to see. Well, if we can pull their permissions from ServiceNow, Dremio has quite impressive row-level security features that will be able to roll out, basically looking up what permissions the user should have and then implementing that. And the final bit, as I said, we serve divisions is at the point where we start cross-charging or at least charging for our own service that we provide to them, we can essentially map how much they cost to run 
by routing them to particular engines. This is a feature inside of Dremio where you can essentially see uh, what group or who is querying something and they redirect them to certain compute. This means a few things, which we're totally re leveraging, uh, is that we can ensure that there's quality of service, right? We're not stepping on each other's toes, but also we get to allocate that cost. Now we now know precisely how much it costs to host that person inside of uh, Dremio. So uh, if they were to do large queries, <laughs> we would know. Um, and that is that is essentially it, everyone. Uh, our cloud journey is ongoing. We're very excited for what's next um, in terms of what I've just shown. Uh, I, I'm hoping to have a follow-up where I can like tell everyone about the awesome things we do, we're going to do in Arctic and all the act, how we got around all our access limitations. But Dremio has definitely been key to us saving a large amount of money while increasing what we can actually output from my team. Uh, I tell my people we're we're a team of a certain size and we should build to be able to serve uh, a, a product using the team of the certain size, right? And this has enabled us to do so. Um, yeah, that's me, everyone. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much for that presentation, Tian. That was phenomenal. Um, it was really cool to kind of cool. see like how you guys overcame the challenges that you had and what those challenges were. Now we do have a question in the Q and A. And again, anyone wants to ask a question, please post it in uh, the question and answer box. And then I will I will uh, introduce that question to Tian. So the first question we got was from uh, Gorov, uh, which is why not Delta instead of Dremio? What was the criteria for choosing one over the other? So more reframed is more like uh, why Iceberg over Delta since like Delta Lake is a table format. Yeah, so that's a fantastic question and actually fundamental to our team. So our core function started with pulling in data and the, we picked the worst format possible. Everyone's going to cringe really hard, but we picked CSVs. Why we picked CSVs was the ability to share those files with people, right? And every everyone using data don't necessarily know what parquets are. And so they ended up using CSVs and opening them up in Excel, right? So our current infrastructure, <laughs> our current data lake is mostly built on CSVs. And one of the things we're leveraging is precisely why Iceberg was quoted there, was basically taking those CSVs and transforming them to an Iceberg. And you're right, they're essentially, we are getting files as deltas, but CSV deltas, uh, and Iceberg essentially allows us to upset into it, which gives us another cool feature, uh, which gives us the ability to query over time, because that's a thing you can do in Iceberg, is you can actually snapshot and go backwards in time, uh, which is part of the versioning. I hope it, I answered that. <laughs> uh, yeah, very cool. And then, uh, yeah, so, and then on top of that, like, if you want to use features like Arctic, you have to be using Iceberg. So, um, and on that note, like you yeah. talked about using Arctic and creating like versions and productizing them. Can you tell us a little bit more about like sort of like how 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 you're approaching that and how you've been using that so far? Sure, sure. So, most of our data we realized is updating every day. That's our normal cadence. We w want to have data that uh, level. And so essentially what we ended up doing was we built an orchestrator outside of Dremio. It's not a big thing. All it's asking is poking at Dremio using the uh, the APIs that you've documented to essentially uh, take a new file as it drops and upset it into a uh, iceberg. We 
are looking at essentially branching that. So running it like you would really do with code, branching it out, doing the update, merging it back in. And that way we have the ability, if something was wrong with that file, we can just roll that day back, right? Um, and we're looking at doing the same for the next semantic layer, right? So we're doing Arctic and different layers. The next semantic layer, we're essentially going to build views. And when we build the views, we can now version those views too. So if someone's like, yeah, but I wanted that column included in this view and you excluded it, we can include it include it as a version um so that's basically what i meant by that product awesomeness uh next question is dremio is a semant dremio semantic layer is there a performance difference than let's say using an SQL, a sql server good question again uh to be honest we never con even considered sql uh why is because of the base architecture we ended up having is just those ton of files, right? It was easier to get the files in order and then place compute next to it, right? We were, to be fair, we were looking at something like uh, Synapse, right? Um, which was uh, basically Microsoft's data warehouse. It is more complex there, but uh, to get data into it, we needed to add so many uh, checks, right? To make sure that the data fits nicely into Synapse I don't know why, but we ended up struggling with that. And one of the key selling points of Dremio for us at least was it just plugged and played, right? Yeah, there is a bit of potentially moving files that are look the same under the same folder. Yes, I just said that some people didn't do that. So my poor developers like had files of different things inside of the same folder. So we couldn't just format an entire folder. Um, so yeah, hope that answers that one. <laughs> And then uh, next question we have is, did you have to implement any physical ETLs inside of ADLS beside creating virtual views in the semantic layer in Dremio? That's a very good question. So no, most of our use cases, no, that's precisely why we have this. So um, all of our data that we're essentially picking up into Dremio uh, our raw data sets. We've ran into limitations, which are completely fair. Uh, for instance, of uh, super nested JSONs, right? They're, they're, they, you can read them in Dremio, but they're a pain, right? So we've had essentially uh, some additional ETL loops outside of it just opening up that JSON for us, right? To flatten it out and then putting that back into Dremio. Dremio can handle one or two layers, but this one was really wonky. Um, so things like that, I can't think of another example off the top of my head, but they're exceptions, not the rule, right? So most cases, we just pick them straight up from Lake House, from the data lake. Got it. Okay, so off, so basically a lot of it, you're just basically curating your semantic layer right there, sort of all, right on the raw yes. data, and that's... That's awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. I think that answers a question. I'll give I'll give a moment to see if anyone has any additional questions. But Alex, on that point, just on the curating right on the raw, you would notice because CSVs are not necessarily the best performing files, right? Iceberg are the better ones. And so what we're trying to do to improve this using that Arctic bit is to essentially create so I'll use the service now data as an example, right? So if, are, if we have an inventory of servers, we would essentially create a base foundation of that, right? This is the inventory of service as an iceberg. And then daily as the delta drops, so you, the guy was right, uh, you would essentially upset those into it and version as you go along. But that means from this layer, the iceberg layer, we now have a more performant layer to query. Uh, we noticed immediately when we started picking up our case, for instance, with Dremio, it was just night and day compared to querying CSVs. But the ability is there to essentially reformat your entire data lake if you want. And it's potentially going to be cheaper in the long run because instead of now querying an entire folder of CSVs, 
right? We now just have to query that iceberg and update it every day. Okay, very sweet. I love that. Um, cool. And then any 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 last thoughts or any recommendations as far as like, if someone were thinking right now, is like, hey, I want to explore Dremio, what would be your recommendations as far as like the first step they should take? Interestingly enough, I had someone ask me a few days ago, spin up the community edition. Just spin it up and connect it and see what I'm what I'm basically saying. Uh, go drop a few files in S3 or or, or in uh, Azure storage and pick them up with Dremio and mess around with it. It was honestly it was eye opening how simple it could be. And as far in the journey we are now, we're now a year about into our journey. I can see that there's more complexities to it. Like we everyone kept telling us reformat to iceberg, reformat to iceberg. No, nah, it's fine. We can read the CSVs. Why do that? And then when we saw the performance, it just made a lot of sense. Um, I would highly recommend spinning up community and having a look. Awesome. Very much. Thank you very much. And again, for those who do want to try the community edition, um, just head over to dremio.com slash get started. And there, there you can get directed to either like the Docker container if you just want to try it on your laptop or the KH Helm chart if you want to go spin it up uh, in like EKS or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, again, thank you very much, Tian. Uh, I was, it was, it was amazing to kind of hear, hear the story, hear the challenges, hear how those challenges were overcome. And we really much appreciate having you on the show this week. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Yes, thank you. And then everyone, we'll see you uh, next time. And uh, have a great one. Again, make sure to check out Subsurface over there at dremio.com slash subsurface and head over to dremio.com where you can find all sorts of great stuff like our um, State of the Data Lakehouse uh, re uh, report. Also, just so you know, um, if you need a copy of the deck, um, any resources that will be paired with this presentation will be available when we post the presentation on dremio.com slash gnarly-data-waves. So there you can find all the presentations from previous episodes along with any resources that are attached for those episodes. So this should be on there within the next 24 to 48 hours. Thank you very much. Have a great week. I'll see you all later.